Proverbs 31. Just doing a brief two-part series starting today on a woman who fears the Lord this week and next week. And then we are going to kick off our summer series and in June, July, and in August, we are going to go through the entire book of Hebrews. Um, 13 weeks, 13 chapters, and so hoping that you don't miss a week. Proverbs 31, go to verse 10. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her, and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She's like a merchant's ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes to inspect the field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She's energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone is warm clothes. She makes her own bedspread. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband's well known at the city gates where he sits with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She's clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive is deceptive, and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she's done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. Father God, we thank you for all of the godly women that have influenced our life. Father God, we know that the gospel accounts were seen as credible because it mentioned women being first to the tomb in a day and an age when women wouldn't have even have been mentioned. And Father God, you have shown us today that you truly do pour your spirit out in these last days on your men's servants and your maid servants. And so, Father God, knowing that we embrace the gift that godly women are to the body of Christ. And foolish are we if we don't recognize them if we don't honor them. And Father, I thank you for the godly women in this body that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. I have always had a soft spot in my heart for godly women because of the influence that they have been in my life. I have had some amazing, brilliant, Godly women that have had access to me and have spoken into my life from the time I was a believer, even now. And here at this church, you are blessed with many, many godly women. And we believe that women have a place in the ministry. And I'm going to go on record according to Scripture and chapters like Romans 16. I cannot think of an office mentioned in the Bible that a woman cannot hold. 
You'll find in Romans 16, if you'll do even a brief study of the women mentioned there, that they are named with apostles. You'll find women like Lydia that were extremely influential, so much so that some even thought that she had a relationship with Paul, could have even have married Paul because she was such a woman of influence. You'll find women like Priscilla that are mentioned before her husband in Scripture and in a strong uh, male-dominated society and culture that would not have been the case if she was not the lead in ministry in that marriage. We have two women here in our church that have been ordained and are on staff and are paid. There are many, many godly women in this church. And as I was praying this morning, I was thinking of Missy Hartman. Um, I was thinking about how when our church began, Missy was there. I was thinking about all of the things that Missy has, uh, has gone through with us. Missy, thanks for when people were saying we were nuts that you didn't believe them. Um, <laughs> And uh, um, Missy does so much behind the scenes. If there's a meal, if there's a ride, um, uh, she is there. Um, We have some amazing, amazing women in this church. And I'll say this. I'll say this, that foolish are we, men, if God is going to pour his spirit out upon all flesh in the last days, men and women, foolish are we if we close the mouth of the women Whose, God, who, whose mouth God has opened to use in these last days. Foolish are we. And you go ahead and you take it up with God, but he promised to pour his spirit out. And what good is, is an outpouring if the mouth never opens? And so let's look at this Proverbs 31 woman. Notice here that the language used speaks of, of a woman of excellence. Speaks of a woman of excellence. The word virtuous was also used of Ruth in Ruth chapter 3, 11, this word also means strength, as in Proverbs 31, 3. It can mean wealth, as in Genesis 34, 29. It can even mean courage, as in 1 Samuel 16, 18. The language used here suggests women like this are rare. If there's ever been a standard that is set forth for women in Scripture, I believe it's found here in Proverbs 31. In verse 10, it says, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She's more precious than rubies. More precious than rubies. No price tag on a woman like this. The New King James says, for her worth is far above rubies. I love verse 11. Her husband can trust her. The New King James says, the heart of her husband safely trusts her. How many of you know that a godly woman leaves the husband no concern for her. How many of you know that a godly woman is a blessing to the husband? The Message Bible says her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Don't you love it? So much mistrust today in marriages. Couples struggle to trust each other financially, sexually. The woman who fears the Lord gives her husband no concern. I believe God would have us not so concerned about each other so that we can face the concerns life throws at us together. Doesn't that make sense? I don't think God wants us concerned about each other. I think that's dividing and conquering. I think God would have us not concerned about each other, but concerned about what is being thrown at the church today, at Christians today, so that we can face concerns together. I think if you can divide a house, it'll fall. And I think together, the two are one. The two are one. What did Peter say? Um, Co-equals of this grace 
of life. I believe theologian Matthew Henry put it best. I say it at every wedding that I do. Matthew Henry said that Eve came out of a rib and Adam's side, not out of a bone in his foot. By God's design, we're called alongside of each other. Something's wrong with some of the traditions that the church has held for years, and the Bible's clear on it in Matthew 15. The traditions of men make the word of God of no effect. Be very careful about the traditions that you hold to because they can be choking the word of God. And here at Restore Church, we will honor the Word of God. The Word of God will be the template, not a tradition, that we feel that we need to hold and to honor because it has been for years. Notice that a woman who fears the Lord finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She doesn't have any time to be a busybody. She doesn't have time for it. She doesn't have time to be meddling into affairs that are not her own. She's busy. She's busy, she's a goer, she's a doer, and she's godly. In verse 15, we see that a woman who fears the Lord prepares and plans. In verse 17, a woman who fears the Lord is strong and energetic, hard worker. In verse 18, we see that a woman who fears the Lord makes sure that what she does is profitable and she's not afraid to work late. And can I show you why women who fear the Lord are going to be needed so much in these last days and why I believe, men, if we don't watch it, women will be the greater influence in society today because they're typically the ones that are raising those children when the men have left. And you ask me who was more influential to Charles and John Wesley, their mother or their father, and it was hands down, mama. Mama raised those kids. She was godly. She would sit there in a small house with, I think, 10 kids, I think there were. She would throw her apron over her head, and every kid knew that she was praying, and they left her alone, and she would pray for an hour to two hours at a time. What a woman of God she was. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 with me, and let's see what the Word has to say about women in the last days. Rick Renner does an amazing study on 2 Timothy chapter 3. I would encourage you to look it up. It's good, good stuff. 2 Timothy 3, let's look at 6 and 7. In fact, I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible to you. It says, these are the kind of people who smooth talk themselves into the homes of unstable and needy women and take advantage of them. Women who depressed by their sinfulness take up every new religious fad that calls itself truth. They get exploited every time and never really learn. I can't not tell you how much our women's ministry means to me. And it was no easy task for Lisa to embrace the women's ministry of this church. See, she's an introvert by nature, and she struggled being in front of five women, let alone 500 that she's been in front of at times. I cannot tell you how important you are to this church, ladies. Um, more often than not, uh, the women's meetings are, are well attended, and it is more often than not the women that are praying. It is more often than not the women that are doing the lion's share of the serving men. We need to step up our game, and if we want to be the leaders in the church and in the homes like we're supposed to, then we can't talk about it. We need to simply step up and lead, and I'm so grateful for the women of God at our church. I believe that God is raising up Deborahs left and right that are full of the Spirit of God and wisdom who will be sought out in times of need. And today, 
being Pentecost Sunday, I want to talk about where women of God, where men of God truly draw their strength from. Because three things mark Christianity. Three things mark coming into the kingdom of God and leaving a world of darkness. Those three things are leaving one kingdom and entering into another. They are water baptism and they are spirit baptism. Believing that we understand the leaving of the kingdom of darkness and coming into a kingdom of light, believing that we have a grasp of what water baptism is, I want to talk about spirit baptism. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Well, Pastor John, where does that term even come from, baptism in the Holy Spirit? John the Baptist said it in Matthew 3.11, there's one coming after me who's mightier than I. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Go with me to the book of Jude. Let's start there. And I don't know if I'm going to take these scriptures in order, so I hope I don't drive you crazy back there, Michelle. Uh, Jude 20. It says, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. I loved it. Uh, we were watching the, the recording of the royal wedding because I love my sleep too much to get up at five in the morning. If you did that, I don't even understand. Um, so um, I loved Bishop Curry and how he was talking about the power of love. I thought it was such a, a, a passionate um, message in a pretty stoic and a pretty stiff environment. I thought it was pretty good. Any of you that watched it, it would be worth, you know, checking it out. Um, where does the power come from? Well, the power comes from the Spirit. The power comes from the Spirit. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to show you something. Maybe you've read it, but maybe you've not noticed it. 1 Corinthians 14. And, and why are we looking at these verses? Because here at Restored Church, we believe in the present day activity and gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that they're in operation. We don't believe that they ceased with the disciples, that they were active until in his 90s, the apostle John died, and then the gifts of the Holy Spirit went with him. Um, I believe that they are still present today, and I'll make an even stronger statement. I believe that we need them just as much, if not more, than they did at the onset of the New Testament church. We definitely, we definitely need it as we close the end of the church age before Jesus returns for us all. We need them today. Look at 1 Corinthians 14. Look at verse 15. Paul speaking. He says, well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit. I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. What does it mean, you know, pray in the Spirit and sing in the Spirit and pray with words I understand and sing with words I understand? Paul was speaking about speaking in tongues, praying in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit. That's what he was speaking about. And theologians believe that 1 Corinthians 14, 15 was a glimpse into Paul's devotional life. This was a glimpse into Paul's devotional life. Paul was saying, what's the conclusion? Then I'll tell you what I do. I'll tell you what I do. I pray in the Spirit. I pray with my understanding. I sing in the Spirit. I sing with my understanding. Paul was giving them a glimpse of what he did 
in his own personal devotional life, using himself as an example. And so think with me, over 2,000 years ago, on the day of Pentecost, or, or uh, Acts chapter 2 says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. So Pentecost is 50 days after Easter. So on the day of Pentecost, God in his perfect timing, the Holy Spirit came as a mighty rushing wind. Believing that the Holy Spirit is God and here at Restore Church, we believe in a Father God, we believe in the Son of God, and we believe in the Holy Spirit being God as well. We believe in a Trinity. Being God, the Holy Spirit changes not. God changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if the Holy Spirit came as a mighty rushing wind, then I believe that he still desires to move that way. Well, Pastor John, I don't know of any meetings where the Holy Spirit's blowing in and tongues like of fire are settling upon people's heads. Well, they were also all in one accord, too, in the upper room. And I believe that where there's unity, the presence of God falls. Where there's unity, there's power. In fact, Psalm 133 is based on this. How pleasant and fitting it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. There I command blessing life forevermore. It's a place of commanded blessing unity. So don't you think it would be part of the devil's tactic to divide the church? I also want to draw your attention. I don't believe the scripture will be in your notes, but Ephesians 6, I believe it's verse 18 It says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. If you'll read the context here, this is speaking about the armor of God. Many of you didn't know that part of the armor of God was praying in the Spirit at all times. Pray in the Spirit at all times. We know from 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4, that when you speak in tongues, you edify yourself. You build yourself up like a building would be built. That's what was used in Jude verse 20, that same language. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Same language is being used in the word edify in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, that as you speak in tongues, you edify yourself. So like somebody would lift weights to be strong outwardly, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues makes you strong inwardly. Joseph Prince, based on studies that he's done, on 1 Corinthians 14, 4, believes that there is even a restorative nature, a healing aspect to praying in the Spirit. Let's go to Acts 19. Acts 19. I know that I'm throwing a lot at you, but that's why we record and That's why notes are available. I want you to see the language that's used here. And I believe the New Living Translation is as good a rendering as any here. Look at verse 1. I'm going to read 1 through 6. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers... Are these people believers? Yes, they are. Keep reading. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then, look at the language that's used here. Then, what baptism did you experience? He asked. They replied, the baptism of John. 
Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard that they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other languages and prophesied. I believe more often than not at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the initial evidence is speaking in tongues. I'm not going to go on record as to say that that's the case across the board because I believe any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit could come first after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I know people that have had words of wisdom, words of knowledge after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Tongues didn't initially come first, but it is typically the very first gift that manifests upon the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, Pastor John, I was raised in a church that said tongues is of the devil. Pastor John, I was raised in a church where they believed that the gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased. We call them cessationists. I want to make a strong case out of Luke's gospel as to why tongues is not of the devil and let me just appeal to your logic before we go. You can turn to Luke chapter 10. And as you are, I want to appeal to your logic. If tongues was of the devil, then why, when we were serving the devil, weren't we speaking in tongues? You know, I don't know about you, but when I was sitting in on those bong sessions, when I was at those keggers and I was getting hammered drunk, I never saw anybody over in a corner in a group speaking in tongues. Maybe something close, but, but not. I don't know about you, but when I was bar hopping back in the day, I never saw a group of people um, over in the corner speaking, speaking in tongues. If tongues is of the devil, then why isn't it manifesting upon the lives of, of unbelievers? Because it's not. And what damage we do in the body of Christ when we label something of the devil that we don't fully understand. And just because you're a little afraid of it and just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's wrong. And just because you weren't raised with it doesn't mean it's wrong. And let me say this. If you were raised in an environment that was crazy and it was like off the wall and people were rolling in the aisles and swinging from chandeliers, that doesn't make it wrong. I love what Bill Johnson says. I believe it's in his book, um, When Heaven Touches Earth. Or, um, he, he said, I do not want to be guilty of um, reducing God to my experiences here on earth. My experiences don't determine who God is. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, they do not determine who God is. Look at Luke 10, 19. Is this good stuff today? You feel challenged today? Yep, me too. Look at Luke 10, 19, first verse I was ever given when I asked Jesus into my heart. First verse that I was ever given. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Do you notice how the power of the enemy is likened unto snakes and scorpions? I have it underlined here, snakes and scorpions. Go to Luke chapter 11 now. Begin reading with me in verse 11. It says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
The scriptures that we've looked at show that when you ask the Heavenly Father for the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what you get. Well, Pastor John, didn't we get the Holy Spirit at salvation? Yep, you did. But the Holy Spirit did not come upon you. He dwells in you. What's the difference? Well, if we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an immersion. Just like water baptism, you're immersed. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. You're immersed in the Holy Spirit. So at salvation, it's like getting a drink. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's like going swimming. You're in over your head. In over your head. Well, Pastor John, I'm afraid of losing control. Nah, you just like being in control. And if we're going to follow God, and if we're going to be obedient to God, there are going to be repeated moments in our life where we are clearly out of control. Jimmy Evans says that I don't know if I understand everything about God, but I don't want a God so small that I understand everything about him. We are in pursuit of God, and we will pursue him for all eternity because he'll never grow old. He'll never grow stale. He'll never be boring. And if our walk with God is boring, then I believe it is a lack of pursuit on our part. Just like any relationship on earth, if it grows boring, there's a lack of pursuit. And you want all that the Holy Spirit has to offer you. You need all that the Holy Spirit has to offer you. Go to Acts chapter 1. I get more mileage out of this verse than maybe any other in recent years. Acts 1, look at verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Notice the Holy Spirit comes upon. Notice power. It's a consistent theme. And you'll be my witnesses. If you look at that word witnesses, the same root is where we get the word martyr from. So, what the Holy Spirit accomplished by coming upon the early church, it was so powerful that they didn't even love their lives. What does Revelation 11 tell us? They love their lives not even unto death. I want you to know that for us as human beings being born into a fallen, sinful state, to so believe and to give our lives for something even unto death, that is a power that is not of this world. It's a power that this world doesn't offer. It's a power that could only come from God. The Holy Spirit dwells in you who believe. We, we know that from Romans 8, verse 11. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in those who believe. But we're talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon a life, immersing a life. I know if you weren't raised in a full gospel environment that some of the things that I've said this morning might seem strange and they might seem odd. But I want you to know that the very same Holy Spirit that fell on the 120 in the upper room is still falling on people today. I have ministered the baptism of the Holy Spirit to people that 
didn't even speak English and I didn't know the language. Picture leading someone in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with an interpreter. Go ahead, go there. I have ministered the baptism of the Holy Spirit to ministers that have been in their denominations that didn't believe in speaking in tongues that had been in their denomination for 20 years. And maybe the highlight of my life was ministering the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Israel at the Jordan River after people had been water baptized. Pastor Dwayne Vanderklok believes that there is a strong connection and believes that people are more open to the baptism of the Holy Spirit after they've been water baptized because of how closely they're related in Scripture. So anytime we water baptize people here at Restore Church, we offer the baptism of the Holy Spirit as well. Here's how we're going to close.